0: Welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, and we are here to help you get into PA school and then get through PA school. We are so excited to bring you today's episode. We are so excited to bring you today's episode with Kat from PA That Byway and to talk about everything related
1: to PAs and money.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Kat.
1: Yeah, thank you ladies both. I really appreciate you having me Katie and Beth. I'm really looking forward to the episode today. Oh my gosh, so are we. So first question a little bit, just so our listeners
2: uh, can get to know you. uh, Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. So I live in the upper Midwest and I've been practicing as a PA up here for a little over seven years now. It's amazing how time flies. Yes. (laughs) I started in family medicine, but my supervising physician who owned the clinic, he was internal medicine plus rheumatology, so we would see some rheumatologic cases. And also the clinic functioned as walk-in, too, so some urgent care. Then I was in family medicine for a while. I still kept that role casually with an urgent care role at that company, but now I actually transitioned to outpatient psychiatry since January. So I've definitely really appreciated the lateral mobility of our profession. It's been a lot of fun over the years.
0: Yeah, that's always
2: a bonus of being a PA. (laughs) For
1: sure, for sure. It sounds like you've got some great experience
2: too. You know, rheumatology is some deep, (laughs) uh, deep internal medicine stuff. You really got to know
1: your stuff. It's very interesting to say the least. Why did you start your podcast and your blog? Sure. Back when COVID started, I was having a little bit of downtime and I had learned about the concept about financial independence. And one of the main reasons why I started it was because I feel as though, as PAs, we come out of school with so much debt. For a lot of people, it can be pretty crippling. Sure Mm -hmm. enough, it's not usually as much as med school debt, but it still can be quite a bit. It's usually in the six figures for a lot of people. And then often, as a new PA, you start earning a six-figure income for the most part. Not everyone. I didn't right out of PA school, but a lot of people do. But it's hard to find that balance. You all of a sudden are making more money than you've ever made in your life. And then you also have to pay back this enormous amount of debt. So I wanted to teach other current and future PAs about financial independence. So I was really excited to talk about it with my podcast, but then also start the website or the blog as well to write some articles for people to read too.
2: Okay. So for those listeners who aren't really sure exactly what financial independence mean, can you kind of explain what you mean by that term?
1: Yeah, definitely. So financial independence, the acronym is FI, which is why I named the podcast, my business, P, the FI way. So financial independence is the first half of the acronym FIRE, which stands for financial independence, retire early. But the RE, or retire early part, is actually optional. So but once someone or a couple reaches financial independence, you don't have to retire early, but it gives you the option to do that if you'd like or pursue other interests, whether cutting back part-time, pursuing other hobbies, those types of things too. So in the FI community, financial independence is the point that a person or a couple has reached when their savings is 25 times their annual expenses. And that is based on something called the Trinity Study. And then what that study found was that if you have reached that point, you can retire very comfortably and live off of those invested savings for at least 30 years usually. But a lot of people will retire quite a bit earlier than only having 30 years of their life left. So often if you are a very early retiree, you might want to consider having at least 30 times your annual expenses. So a lot of retirement calculators take into consideration, well, how much do you earn every year? And they base your retirement off of your annual salary, but really that's really backwards. It's really how much you spend because that's how much you're going to need in the future when you are wanting to retire and live off that down the road.
2: Yeah. I love the fact that you make that distinction for our listeners. It's not what you make, it's what you spend because you're right. Those are your expenses. If you make a hundred grand, but you spend a hundred grand each year, you're never going to be able to retire, right? But if you make a hundred grand, you spend 30, then again, the thirty thousand is what you really need in retirement. So, thank you for explaining that to our listeners.
0: Why do you think that it's important that PAs learn about financial independence and financial topics in general?
1: So, this kind of goes back to that point where you can often not make very much when you're going through undergrad and your master's degree, you're becoming a PA, and then all of a sudden you get all this money, but you have this huge amount of debt. So, I think that's really applicable for PAs too try to find that balance where you're really wanting to save and invest for the future, but then you're also trying to pay off your debt. But I also think it's important to make the distinction that it's important that everyone reaches true financial independence to technically retire no matter what throughout their life. So even a traditional retiree at the age of 65, they need to make sure that they do have enough saved and invest so that they can live comfortably retired. Otherwise, unfortunately they might have to continue to work once they are
2: retired, too. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, PAs are uniquely qualified to obtain financial independence because we know that even right out of school, we're going to be a high-income learner. So I know that until I got out of school and I saw the amount of school debt I have, I didn't really even think about kind of the finance part. I'd never taken a business class, never taken a finance class, and be honest, wasn't interested in it at all until I realized it was in all this debt. And then I was like, what am I going to do about this? So can you speak to the kind of the positions that PAs are in to achieve financial independence and some tips to help them get there?
1: Yeah, certainly. So as you mentioned, PAs do have that unique role where they aren't spending all of their younger years in school, unlike positions or some other higher income earners. And so you do have the opportunity to start saving and investing in the future. But then again, we do have that larger salary. So then we're able to find the balance between cutting costs, try to earn more throughout our career, and then saving and investing the difference.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of our students say like, Hey, student loans are so big, so crippling. Like, I'm not going to even worry about it. I'm just going to pay the minimum. You know, I'm not going to, I know in school, I had a lot of friends who, you know, had the new iPhone or, you know, bought expensive things. Cause they're like, I owe so much anyways, this is just a drop in the bucket. So what kind of advice would you give to students maybe who have that kind of mindset that I'm never going to get out from underneath this debt and I'm not going to even worry about it and just pay
1: the minimum? Yeah, that that's definitely one of the positions that I was in as a student. I, viewed loans as thinking I was just borrowing for my future self who is gonna be making this awesome income and it'd be so easy to pay back those loans, right? So in PA school I was not very budget savvy and in general I'm a very practical person, so I don't feel as though I will money a lot. I didn't have to buy the brand new purse or brand new shoes or things like that. But at the same time I would definitely go out to eat a lot with my friends in PA school or, you know, not feel bad about I'm a new outfit every once in a while, you know, so to speak. But one of my classmates was very detailed, though. It was already using Mint. So that was great that she was able to do that. But yes, if both pre-PAs and PA students are interested in financial independence, there's lots of different things that they can go and do throughout both of those phases. So I can share a few tips with some of those phases there, if that's okay with you, ladies. Yes, we'd love to hear some tips. Yeah, So in all of the phases while becoming a PA, and then while you are a PA too, if you're able to keep the three big budget items low for their costs, those are housing, transportation, and food, then that can help you so much. So Americans spend over 61% of their incomes in those three categories alone. So some people will choose to live close to where they work so they don't have to spend a lot on transportation. Some people choose to house pack where they rent out a portion of their home or they live in a duplex, rent out the other side. And then that keeps their housing costs super low. And then if you can find a way to cook at home and not spend a lot of money on food, then that can help keep your budget pretty low in general. And then in high school, it's really important to try to get scholarships if you can. You can consider AP or dual enrollment classes, CLEP tests, to community college. I did that and it was great. I thought it was a wonderful education. And then while you're in college, you could consider living at home or becoming a resident assistant. You could buy or rent, use textbooks, apply to more scholarships as you go, and you could obtain healthcare experience in a way that is affordable. So you don't have to, for example, get your RN degree, which could be a bachelor's and a lot of time and money in school. You could get affordable training otherwise before becoming a PA. And then when you apply to PA school, make sure that you apply to those programs that you only meet all of the prereqs. Otherwise, you can just be, you know, putting money all the way down the toilet, so to speak, when you're filling out CASPA. Because it doesn't do any good to apply to those programs if you don't meet the prereqs. And then you could consider even joining the military because that can help with PA debt payback and the PA profession was founded in the military, which I think is pretty cool. So while you're in PA school, again, live below your means, try to budget, especially focus on those three big budget items. Keep your housing costs low. You could consider having a roommate. I didn't have a roommate personally, um, but you know I probably could have and saved quite a bit of money. You don't need to buy fancy medical equipment as a PA student. The standard basic medical equipment will do just fine. And then try to get rotations near your friends and family so you can consider staying with them So you're not having to spend a ton of money on a hotel room all by yourself for things. like.
2: Yeah, I love the fact that you brought up, like, okay, you have to start thinking about this in undergrad, because it's true, because most PAs, when they go to PA school, they're going to have their undergrad debt as well, and that's accruing interest, and so by the time you get done with PA school, you have not just the three years in PA school, but the four years in undergrad. So that's really, really smart, so the earlier you start this, the better it's going to be, because. PA school is a long game, and we know that. But it's true that undergrad does come into play. So if you are financially stretched in undergrad and you, you know, have $50,000, $100,000 worth of debt, well, now we're piling PA school debt on top of that as well. So I love the fact that you were like, hey, start early. Start thinking about little things you can do to tweak your finances early. And if there's any time in your life when you need a roommate or something like that, it's going to be you know when you're young. And so I think that's a really, really great point to bring up because we talk a lot about PA school debt, but most of us also have undergrad debt. And I I know I was in that um, situation as well. And so having that kind of piled on is really, really smart to start thinking about this early.
1: Yeah, definitely. One point, too, that I would like to really hit home on with trying to start and think about things early, too, when pretty much everyone finds out about financial independence, they're always like, oh, I wish I would have known about this sooner. Wish yes. I started <laughs> sooner. There are a few people that find out about it, and they're practically already at financial independence. Those are the very high savers and have been investing all along. But I think for the most part, most people are like, oh, man. So for example, there's compound interest. So if your listeners aren't very familiar with compound interest, I encourage them to research a compound interest calculator. And what it shows is that the sooner you invest, the more time your investments have to work the better you'll be. So just keeping it in there as soon as you can. And I joke that I wish my mom would have told me to start investing as a teenager when I first started working because it would have been amazing to have all that time for that money to accrue. So it's really important to start as soon as you can.
0: Where would you tell pre-PA students and PA students
1: to invest? Yeah, that's a great question. So pre-PA students and PA students probably have had some type of job so, you know, if you're earning, if you are trying to get healthcare experience hours, you are likely working, right? So, some of those companies could have a 401k. It's possible that some of those positions you might not be able to if you're only working very casually or part time and not full time. They might not qualify for a benefit of a 401k or another type of retirement plan through your employer. Otherwise, there's another type of account called a Roth IRA. And a Roth IRA is something that you can set up as an individual if your company doesn't have one, as long as you haven't earned income. So if you can figure out what type of retirement accounts you have access to, then you would start investing. And then the general advice in the FI community is to consider low-cost, broad-based index funds to invest in within those accounts. And what that means is, low-cost means that they don't have a lot of fees, Because even a small portion of these can really kill the compounding effect of compound interest. And then index funds are where you are owning many, many companies. So often there's a total stock market index. So it's the total amount of companies that are within this index. It's usually the top several thousand of companies. You are basically essentially betting that the companies in America, if you're investing in the United States, that it will improve and increase over time. And those index funds are self-cleansing, which means that if a company starts not doing well, there are companies right behind it that will take its place. So with time, those investments go up over time. You can also invest in international index funds. There's REITs where you're investing in some real estate and where you're not directly owning real estate. But a lot of people will consider just investing in low-cost Broadway's index funds when they're younger and have time to have that compound interest grow. Do you have any opinion on dividend stocks? Yeah, so some dividend stocks can be good. It just kind of depends. I don't think that you necessarily need to chase them. So some people are really dividend investors, meaning that they are always trying to like think about the hot tip or which one's supposed to be good. But dividends are great because they pay you with time so a lot of those index funds can have dividends and pay dividends over time but i've seen you know some people kind of like cryptocurrency where they're always kind of chasing the next big dividend stock and even just in general for individual stocks period you know a lot of people like to invest in amazon or tesla facebook google those big company names and They can probably be good, at least for now, you know, for a period of time. But if you're investing in only one company, it's almost like gambling because you're really thinking that one company is going to do really, really well. So to take out some of that risk when you invest in a total index, then that can be really helpful.
0: And then what about your thoughts on crypto?
1: So I actually did a whole episode about that where I think crypto right now Again, is a little bit more of a gamble, a little bit more of a bet. I think that if you feel like you really foresee cryptocurrency in the future growing and expanding and being utilized, then it's very reasonable to have some of your investments in there. So a lot of people will consider having maybe 1% to 5% of their investments in there where they're like, yeah, I have some cryptocurrency invested. If it does really well, it can help with my portfolio overall. But if it tanks and it's so volatile, it goes, if you if you just research Bitcoin and just take a look at, you know, the past several weeks or past several months, you'll see that it's just so up and down. You definitely would have to have a strong stomach, so to speak, to be able to want to ride that out. So a lot of people will invest in it. But I think that the technology behind cryptocurrency is very interesting and that might be utilized in the future. But I think right now it's pretty early to know I personally don't have any crypto. I've definitely considered it. But there's a lot in the FI community that I would say have about 1% to 5%, maybe up to 10% of their portfolio in it.
2: So I love the fact that you brought up like hey when you're working trying to get your patient care hours thinking about retirement because at 18 or 19 a lot of people aren't thinking about retirement they're like this is just a part time job i don't get paid well anyways totally. but if you talked about the compound interest starting at 18 versus starting at 28 i mean we're not talking about tens of thousands we're talking about hundreds of thousands right and so i love the fact that you mentioned that so you also talked a little bit about like the volatility of stocks so i know a lot of people who invest and then things you know, like we had the big tank during covid right Where Everything fell, and so a lot of people yes. sold off, right? But they they sold off low, so they bought high, and they sold off low, which is the exact opposite of what we should do. Exactly. So, can you talk to a little bit about how the mindset of long term is, and not to kind of try and play the market?
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a great question, Beth. I really appreciate that. So, with investing over time and having that mindset, it really is important to think long term. So, there's an excellent book out there. I think that. Everyone everyone in high school should probably read it, and definitely in college. It's called The Simple Path to Wealth by yes. J.L. Collins. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so great. And what it talks about in there, it's how if you zoom out over time, the stock market value has continued to go up. So there's definitely been those dips. So COVID is the most recent one. A lot of people's portfolios dropped like 30%. And then in 2008 was that giant crash as well. And then even back in the Great Depression, obviously there were several years. And back then it did take a long time for the stock market to go back up, but it eventually did. So if you zoom out in the stock market and look at a graph, you'll see these dips, but they're pretty small comparatively. And over time, it always marches up into the right. So if you can tolerate it and stomach that, then it's great. And especially when you're young, then that's great as well. As you do get older, then it's considered very acceptable to consider having some bonds in your portfolio because bonds help steady that ride a little bit. So there will still be ups and downs, but it will smooth the ride, meaning that it won't crash drastically and that can help preserve some of your wealth over time, especially as you're nearing your retirement.
2: So a lot of our students and PAs are like, hey, I love my job, I love doing this, I can see myself doing this forever. So why is it still important for these individuals to consider FI even if they say, hey, I love my job, I have no intention of quitting anytime soon?
1: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful question. I'll even you know, take myself as an example. So I really am passionate about the PA profession and I'm very highly biased, but I think it's one of the best ones out there for sure. I think, though, too, that burnout's very real, and I've definitely experienced it already. I've only been practicing for seven years, and I've experienced it. So when you're pursuing financial independence, you are thinking, okay, I don't have to do this until I'm 65 or older, and you can decide at the point when you reach financial independence how long you want to keep working. It's a misconception that a lot of people will just not work, sit and watch TV all day, I think most of us are a little bit more entrepreneurial than that or more busy than that. We have lots of hobbies. So I enjoy tons of hobbies as well. And then also, both myself and my husband, our fathers passed away at young ages. So his dad was in his mid-50s. My dad Mm -hmm. was in his early 60s. So they never even got to technically traditional retirement age. It's very important that you think about that you unfortunately might not even make it. So it's important to enjoy those years when you are young. And then also when you are healthy, too. When you are young and healthy, you're able to go travel, you're able to go hiking. When you are older and have reached retirement, your health isn't even guaranteed. If you do make it, you might not be healthy enough to do those things that you wanna do. So I really think that it's important that you try to seize the day, so to speak, along the way, but also save and invest for the future, too.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, a misconception that people say pursuing financial independence means I don't want to work and that's not what it means. It just means you have control over your own income and control over the hours you work. So if a place isn't treating you right or you feel like you want to go part time or take a sabbatical or pursue other options, you you have the power, you have the capability to that. So I think that there's just misnomer out there like, oh, you just don't want to work and it's like, no, I just want control over my future. And a lot of people, as you say, who have FI or who fatigue fire, are still working just maybe in a different capacity or in a different way or even still full time and just knowing that any time if their family needs them, maybe because for medical care or if they decide they want to take a sabbatical and move out of the country or, or whatever it is, homeschool their kids, have time for that, that they have the opportunity to do that because they've set themselves up for
1: success in the past. Exactly. That's wonderful. Even though I don't have kiddos yet, we've definitely had the discussion, you know, will one of us work part-time or both Mm -hmm. of us work part-time to be able to help raise them and care for them and things like that too. Um, Also, I have already cut back on work. So even though I'm not anywhere near financial independence, I'm still actually paying off student loans because I was not aggressively paying off them at the beginning. I have cut back on my hours during my work and it's been, you know, great to be able to pursue the hobbies like podcasting and all of the other hobbies that I enjoy. So I encourage the listeners to also think about, you know, it's not just the destination. You know, it's not only once you reach financial independence that you should be able to do all these things. Like you said, it can help set you up for different decisions along the way. Maybe you do start working fewer hours. Maybe you do cut back for time. Maybe you take a sabbatical. I'm really excited. I'm going to be having another guest on my podcast soon who's going to share about his sabbatical coming up. Excellent. So I think that's wonderful that PAs are taking sabbaticals as they work.
0: Yes. What tips do you have for students that need to take out student loans?
1: Yeah, that that's a tough one. Unfortunately, it can be kind of difficult to know what your budget and what your costs are going to be. I think that you could look at it one of two ways. One is you can take out a fair amount, but just be mindful of what you're spending and then try to pay it back off right away. Another one is if you do know your budget pretty well, then try to do your best guess and take out as much as you think that you'll need. I would say that the rotation year, when you're going to all these different rotations, they can be all over the country sometimes, or even internationally, those can be pretty costly. So it can be kind of difficult if you don't know where your rotations are are going to be. Some programs, you might be able to get many rotations right by the program, I would say probably more often than not, it can be pretty sporadic. So I think the main thing is to just really try to budget. And again, I really don't like budgeting or the term budgeting, um, but there are lots of different types of budgets. So it's important to try to find the type that's good for you, where a lot of people will say that they pay themselves first, especially as you're working, put a huge amount towards retirement and paying off your loans. And then you can spend the rest pretty freely. Others have like a certain percentage breakdown, like this percentage goes to student loans, this percentage goes to retirement, this percentage goes to housing or food or things like that too. But I think that it's important that you start tracking. And wherever Mm -hmm. you are, whether you're a pre-PA, PA PA student, or a practicing PA, if you can start tracking every single expense for at least three to six months, and then that can be pretty eye-opening. It's makes you kind of sit down and you're like, oh, that's where all my money is going.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important because most people – they know what they make but they would they couldn't tell you like what percentage is going to food and when they track it they're like oh my gosh I'm spending that much or you know I'm spending this much on transportation or whatever it is because they just don't know because you're right if you don't track every dollar and I know that there's all kinds of um, you know mint and all kinds of things out there that can help you track these things just to, to figure out and I love the fact that you brought up the point like hey you've got to decide what's important to you and so a lot of people have the misconception that FI means you can't do anything right and it just says no you just need to focus on what's important so travel is important to you, then maybe your Starbucks coffee or living by yourself without a roommate isn't important to you. And if going out to nice restaurants is important to you, well, then maybe you drink your wine at home because, you know, that can be expensive or or maybe you, you know, uh, carpool with someone else or something like that. So you just figure out which things are important to you and then you, you know, get rid of all the miscellaneous expenses. So I love the fact that you brought that up because I think that is really super important and that's something that people don't understand about FI. It's not about not having fun. It's just about choosing the things that actually add value and actually add meaning and I guess spark joy is the way you can say it <laughs> to this generation. Yeah. Choose the things that spark joy and spend your time and energy and money on that and then forego the things that you don't even remember buying uh, because they just don't matter to you.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. There's another podcaster. Her name's Paula Pant. She's great. She invests in real estate but has lots of good financial independence and budgeting advice too. But her podcast is called Afford Anything. And the concept behind that is that you can afford anything, but probably not everything. So that's where it's really important that you do find your exact things that you value so that you can spend lavishly on those things and tighten up the costs and the expenses in those other areas of life, too
2: yeah I love that okay if you can afford anything but not everything and that to me just really boils it down <laughs> uh, to kind of what we're talking about so that's really great listeners just think about that um, when you're thinking about your finances so gear towards the things that you're passionate about that meaningful to you in your life and put your not just your money but your time your energy your passion and um, your life force into those things that really really matter
0: so what's your your spark your joy why are you doing
1: this yeah yeah certainly So again, it goes back to that, though I really enjoy my job, I don't feel as though I can work that many years, and traditionally, I should say, full-time. So it might be part-time in the future. I absolutely love to travel, so I do have to twist my husband's arm a little bit to convince him to travel with me. We have a trip planned for Costa Rica in December, and last night he's researching, how dangerous is Costa Rica? And I'm like, quit looking at that. (laughs) <laughs> but he always has fun when he eventually agrees to go on these trips with me. So I would love to travel the world, and maybe that might include taking a sabbatical along the way. We'll see. And then we just enjoy hanging out with our friends and their family so much. We live really close to them, so close to both of our families. So just spending as much time as we can with them, too. So we're really looking forward to that. Yeah.
2: Okay. This is excellent. You've got so many good things that our readers can listen to, can think about both in undergrad, in PA school. And even if you're like in PA school right now, it's never too late to start this. You're going to be a high income learner. So we just thank you so much for your tips. Uh, If people want to follow you, follow more of your podcasts, find out more about you, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, definitely, I'm in a few different places. As you mentioned, my podcast, it is called PA the FI way. It's on most major podcast players. And then my website is pa.fiway.com. I recently created a free resource on there for the listeners. So it's called the PA the FIWA Beginners Workbook. And Excellent. you can find that on the website. It pops up and you can enter your email to get a copy. If you have any issues finding it or want it resend or anything like that, feel free to email me at katkat K-A-T, at pa.fiway.com. And I'd be happy to send you a copy. Or if you have any questions, I'd be happy to reach out to you as well. I'm on Instagram at PA the FI way. And then I also have a Facebook page. And then under that Facebook page too, if you'd like, you can certainly find and join the private Facebook group that's only for current and future PAs that are pursuing financial independence.
2: Awesome. So listeners, it's never too early to start. It's never too late to start. If you want to have control over your finances, control over your time and your power, start early, start now and check out Kat at PA the FI way.
1: Yeah. Thank you ladies so much. It was super fun to join you. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. We
1: appreciate having you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so happy you are here and so excited for all that your future holds as a PA. Before you leave, make sure to check out the show notes and join our private Facebook group for the podcast. We're going to be dropping tons of tips in there and it's just an awesome community. So join us there, check out the show notes, and we'll see you soon.